The Weekly is supported by the Oregon State University eCampus. Do you want to take the fast track to your career in computing? You can earn your computer science degree 100% online from Oregon State and tap into unlimited career opportunities in any field. Learn more at ecampus.oregonstate.edu slash now. everybody and welcome to the weekly brought to you by pocket now and xda developers on this day the 15th of march 2019 uh, all right so we are moving into a generally new format for the podcast so we do have one big topic to talk to you about though in this topic this, this is basically what i want the show to look like i want to have one main topic where there are a bunch of stories that sort of add to that particular topic but before we get to that let's uh have a warm welcome to all of our guests we had Enabong last week uh, board at work himself thunder e but now we have the old crew back uh let's start off with brandon miniman over there how's it going brandon <laughs> it has been a bit yeah it's good to see everyone's faces again and then hailing from okay so you had you went on an epic rant about williamsburg but where are you right now jaime <laughs> i'm in queens queens okay there you go <laughs> all right a warm welcome back to jaime rivera of course thank you thank you uh and then in the booth today is our producer extraordinaire jules wong well, it's been the first time in a long time that I've uh, gone on camera and at this uh, very comfortable angle for me because I'm just sitting here <laughs> man, hunched that, over that my... nose cam, man. Those nostrils well, are fantastic. Huawei MateBook 14. Yeah, look at this. Oh, this 14. Is, yeah. So I just oh, have man. to be be conscious and stare at the camera like this uh, every time I want to talk. But, uh, meanwhile, yeah. on my end, I could do something like this. Let me see. Yeah. Oh, no, it doesn't really come nope, up. Okay. not yet. Never mind. Um, I I have a lamp in front of me that like that like rolls in a rainbow, so it would look kind of funny in front on my face. In any case, um, there by by request of of our uh, uh, guest host here. Oh, by the way, I'm Joshua Figar. What's going on, everybody? Um, Are you our guest host? (laughs) No, um, (laughs) by request of our fellow hosts, um, I had I was about to go into a funny little story about a tweet that I had made. So let's do that. So the other day, this this is just a great example of tribalism on the internet so um even on a very simplistic level i tweeted out i think it was yesterday that i shouldn't be reading youtube comments first thing in the morning like i do one of those i do that dumb thing still where i wake up and the first thing i do is go like this and i start looking at stuff reddit youtube comments tweets all that stuff uh not the healthiest thing um and and i learned that the hard way yesterday so like that what i said was that level of negativity is something that i shouldn't be having before i even have coffee so there's already like back and forth, uh, the, the, there's always sides when it comes to YouTube comments and all that stuff. And I was like, I'll take to Twitter. People are responding saying, oh yeah, don't worry about it. Just don't, don't read those things until you're actually like ready to read them, blah, blah, blah. It's all good. One tweet came back and said, but aren't you a tea guy? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, in a nutshell, right there, just the internet tribalism, just, just the world of internet tribalism right there, even in a simplistic little tweet like that. And I responded with, I do, I am. I like coffee too. Like I'm, I'm allowed to, right? Like you can, you can, you can do whatever you want. Everybody, <laughs> it never has to be just one side. Anyway, I just See, wanted to but put that, that but there. that's your brand. Now that you've been damned to JV Tech T, you're you're stuck on it, and no one will ever let you go. Someone did once say that it should be JV Tech Coffee, and I'm like, it doesn't roll off the tongue as well. What's wrong with you? Um, anyway, I do want to do a quick check-in with everybody now that we have one main topic for today and we're going to get into it. There are a few different stories about this whole idea behind the, I want to call it the ultimate demise. 
the ultimate demise of a phone, of a of a service, of a company, because over the last couple of weeks, we've actually had a lot of examples of it, which is kind of odd. And these are all things that people were excited for, but then probably all too soon, they go by the wayside. So before we get into that topic, I want to check in with Brandon. Brandon, how have things been over the last, how many weeks has it been since you've been on? Like a thousand. I, uh, <laughs> but when we were setting up and, and having some uh, back and forth before we hit the live button, I noticed something. Jaime, pick up the phone you're using. Just show it to the camera real quick. Which one? Yeah, that. no, the white one, yeah. Okay, no, to stop. The white one. Or this one. <laughs> Too many. <laughs> okay, Joshua, hold up the phone you're using right in front of you. What up? Yeah, we've got, um, we are very unoriginal here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, a, I'm the most original guy here. Look at that. Yeah, look at that OG Galaxy S1. Yes, yes. No, this, should, this should be a signal to all of our viewers right now that the S10 content is nearing its, uh, not end, but we're getting it's into... It's climax. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's hitting that sure. peak because uh, we, uh, Jaime's uh, Pocket Now review is going to come out. My review on JV is going to come out. And then, of course, we have some comparisons. Um, the way that we signal that that is about to happen is there's another phone in play now. I'm actually using the Mi 9 after uh, the S10 is done, so... I'm actually bringing this thing with me to China tomorrow, so uh, I'll be uh, I'll be beyond the Great Firewall. So everyone, pray for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, uh, Jaime, how um, we weren't able to have you on last week. We had a spirited discussion with uh, with Enabong about foldables for a while there. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm currently uh, posting on Instagram that we're live for people to join. Um, God. So what what did I miss in that conversation about foldables? Because I was the naysayer that actually ended up becoming a believer. Well, we had another. We did have another. Um, I'm trying to remember what the other topic of discussion was. Uh, but I remember that the last like 20 minutes turned into all about foldables. And it I was, was the S10, wasn't it? During the check in. During the check in was the S10. We were talking about the wallpapers and and all that. Um, which, by the way, See, I, I know this because I listened to the podcast. <laughs> you, you you have to listen to it at least four times before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I have to. But yeah, the, um, the as far as foldables went, I was saying that I'm not fully convinced yet because the use case scenarios that I know a foldable or even a larger screen could provide, we just don't have the software for that yet. It's just not optimized for it yet. So current applications on a foldable like the Mate X or the Galaxy Fold just aren't where they should be yet. So I'm not going to spend the $1,500 to get one until the actual experiences match the technology, match the hardware. But then you talk to Enabong and he's like, spend the $1,500 so these companies can have a little cash and then they can drop the price tag. You know what? It depends. Like The problem is not all companies are reliable in that department, particularly Apple, for example. They're like, okay, we're going to charge $17,000 for a watch. And then because people didn't buy it, they're like, oh, okay, $17,000 was a bit too crazy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's what I, I kind of feel like if they, the technology is there, if they want to take it to the next level, they need to do- drop the price. And so I feel that consumers, uh, sh- I mean, you don't need one. Uh, so yeah. it's like, you know, why why spend on it? Uh, I would be like, you know what, companies, you figure out your R&D. If you're spending two, three billion dollars in R&D, how about using part of that to drop the price? You know? Yeah, exactly. And Enabong's whole thing was like, but just think about think about the video editing and the gaming. That, and I'm like, yeah, that, you're absolutely right. But we're not there yet. We're not even there dude, yet with these screens. Just think <laughs> about it. Think about it. How good do you think the gaming is going to be on a product that's designed to fold? I don't think the thermal envelope on that thing is going to be good. That's a good point. I did not think about that. Things are going to get hot. It's going to need it's going to need two vapor chambers. It's <laughs> going to be a hot product. 
<laughs> what do you think, Brandon? Yeah. You guys have gotten so fancy talking about thermal envelopes and vapor chambers. <laughs> Are you guys NASA scientists now? Oh, well, we I was about to say, you know, I mean, you should consider using thermal envelopes from Microsoft because they still got that Hotmail going, right? Right? Oh my God. Hotmail. Yeah. This is what I love about talking to Jules. Thank you, dude. <laughs> Hotmail, baby. Oh, man. But yeah, no, I agree with You'll that. You'll miss like... me when I'm gone. Uh. <laughs> well, more on that later. But the um, uh, Brandon, he was saying, um, like, your thoughts on foldables, because I don't think we actually spoke to you at length about foldables after MWC, after all that stuff happened. Yeah, I've uh, I've seen the future and I I know what's going to happen. Um, this foldable, I'm very excited for the foldable thing because I think, like I've said before, there are times where like you want a small form factor, and there are times when you want to show grandma your pictures. So to have that all, <laughs> to have that all in one is amazing. But here's the problem: there's a lot of devices that can do two things. They're like a tablet and a laptop, like the iPad Pro in some cases, if you have the accessory, or the um, the that, that thing I sent you, the Pixelbook, Jaime, which can yeah. fold around to be a tablet or you can use it as a laptop. The problem with all of these products is that they're not good laptops and they're not good tablets because they're both. And I think what's going to happen with a foldable device is that it's not going to be a good phone. It's too cumbersome. It's too thick. And it's not going to be a good tablet because maybe it's going to be also too thick, but there's going to be a seam in the middle or some other flaw that makes makes you think, hmm, Instead of showing grandma my pictures on this foldable tablet, I'm just going to get my real tablet. And instead of using this foldable as my phone in my pocket, I'm just going to go use my regular phone. So I'm just, I'm just thinking that like these foldable things are going to be awesome. We're all going to buy them. We're going to review them. But at the end of the day, they're, they're not going to excel properly in either area they're trying to be. I hadn't thought about that. That's a good point. So you think this is the, ne- the new 3D? You remember the time when 3D came on phones and it just collapsed horribly? Mm. We have a little bit of that coming up in a second. (laughs) (laughs) We have a little bit of that coming up in a second, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, to be fair, um, I mean, hardware, a lot more R&D involved with this, so they're going to try and make this work out as much more, uh, as much as they can, uh, especially considering how much money is at stake for them. So... If anything, it's going to be a long and slow death if there is one. Mm, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Um, I, I, I do kind of I do kind of agree with you, Brandon. I think there are going to be a lot of those users who are still so ingrained in the way that they use their tech right now that they're going to keep reverting back. So the Mate X is actually going to be a wonderful little centerpiece on a table for a little while as you still go back to your Mate 20 Pro or to your Samsung Galaxy if you have the Fold. Um, you go back to your original phone because that's what you know. That's what you understand. And that's what I mean. Software needs to catch up with the hardware before I will buy the hardware. That's what I want first. Um, you know, and of course I'm in a privileged position because potentially I'll be getting a review unit of it. So of course I'm going to end up using it at some point. But would I actually spend money on it? No, not until the software catches up with the hardware. Speaking of catching up with them, uh, the time is up for a lot of companies that we're going to talk about on this episode. Um, okay, you brought up 3D, Jaime. I want to hear you <laughs> talk about... The ultimate demise of the hydrogen one, the red hydrogen one. That's what we're going to start off with. Did you ever hold that product? No, I didn't. Okay, there was an LA event that I was invited to. I didn't get to go because they said they weren't going to allow anyone to take pictures and videos of it. As it turns out, I should have because they did let us. And that would have been the only concept I could ever make of the phone because now the phone doesn't exist. Well, it does exist, but they're they're, they're reevaluating. 
Well, it's it's not that they're reevaluating. They're literally killing off the project and starting a new one. That's what they're doing. Yeah. So it's like so it's like we it's taken us two years to realize that we wasted your money and we wasted your time and we can actually do this better, but we need more time. And so In two years? The, two years yeah. pretty much. Snapdragon eight thirty five, dude. Snapdragon mm. eight thirty five. This was the summer of twenty seventeen thing, and it took yeah. them a whole year. Uh, if you've read Adam Lame's review of it, from head to tail, from pre-order to usage to, I, I mean, I think he's actually returned it at this point. So um, it's just been a rough, rough ride for all the people involved. Unless, unless you are one of the people on the H4VUser.net forums, which has always been a refuge for those, for the believers, for the faithful, for the fans, because they have been really... <laughs> ginning up the support and saying what the hell do these reviewers know uh jim is uh, jim Gennard has uh done these things time and time again and he's going to prove them wrong and that's basically what we've been hearing but mm. you know i i mean when we go back to jim Gennard's statement on this shift he, he uses very um gilded language you know talks yeah. about you know these things of, uh, like the you may have seen so it started off with the the taking down of the module depictions that they had planned for the original mm -hmm. Red Hydrogen 1 run, uh, runs off of uh, pogo pins. They took those drawings down. People were concerned for a little bit. And then uh, about like maybe 12 hours later, he releases a statement saying, saying not much of anything <laughs> at first glance because it's very, uh, it's, it's crazy. It's like it's something about, um, well, we're going to move on to, we're going to have our red team lead the project now. And uh, for those who want to buy into the project or something, like it, it doesn't make anything explicitly clear. Uh, so it left many people to infer that, okay, modules are not going to appear as they uh, have been promised at this point, And that we're probably going to have to pay for a new phone. But like okay, so there so, are so, so. There, there are a couple of different companies we're going to talk about in this in this segment about um, they clearly have success in a whole different market and they want to get into mobile, but then it turns out is it a matter of just over ambition? Is it a matter? Of I, I I I was expecting going back to the what I had started saying, I was expecting this to happen. Uh, the problem <clears throat> is for the people that didn't hold or use that red hydrogen one. It's very different for people to be like, but why? It looks like a razor phone. I mean, it's it was, that's another conversation. Uh, but um, it's not until you use the product that it's. You remember the time of the Fire Phone, which is also dead. Yeah, it's <laughs> just literally like the Fire Festival, right? It's <laughs> literally it's literally this one trick pony that nobody's asking for. The, the, the perspective case, thing, right? In the case of the Fire Phone, in the case of the Red Hydrogen One. It was a great idea. We have a phone, and we're going to use this power to create this modular camera from it. It's mm -hmm. but the 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 problem was why take so long to launch the phone? Why use uh, a a processor? The problem with the eight thirty five is it didn't have the Spectra processor that the eight forty five or eight fifty five have, and so there's so much better technology in the next two generations of processor. Why stick to eight thirty five? Uh, I you know if they if it took them so long to launch they might as well have just used the 845 from the start, uh, and then the problem is again this is like telling people yeah uh, this is this awesome car that you can buy but the wheels aren't ready, uh, 
So you can buy the car and leave it in your garage for now because it's not really a good car. It's just, it's a meh car. Um, and then you can attach the wheels whenever we make them. And then out of the blue, they're like, we're not going to make the wheels anymore. We're going to make a whole new car and we'll let you know later. I, you know, I, I thought the moment that I held it, the product was so heavy. I'm like, crap, this is DOA. It's so heavy. All the while, they missed the fundamentals, kind of like the Amazon Fire Phone, like you said, Jaime. They spent so much time working on this gimmick so it would sound cool and look cool, but it just took too much time and too much cost when they could have just made a fundamentally good phone that has some cool stuff to come in the future. And yeah, that's the it, thing. Like, I, 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 find that, I find that the general theme of a lot of the stuff we're talking about now, that the fundamentals, like actually actually dealing with what users want to deal with on a daily basis those are not th that level of attention to detail is not being paid attention to um no. and it's always about this like huge gimmick like even lg you could argue that a lot of the stuff that they do are huge gimmicks but the core experience is still reliable it's still dope lg really yeah like using <laughs> you, you, you <laughs> i'm telling you right now using Using those phones on the daily, even if you were to not use half of the stuff that they put on there, you would still have a good time. The wide angle still looks pretty good. The the, the camera is still quite good. Like it's still a good phone. It's still good by the standards. Uh, all of all I'm gonna say is all I'm gonna say is I miss the LG G6. For me, that was the coolest looking, <clears throat> most reliable, most well thought out LG ever launched. And then everything else was this like blend of experimentation um, that didn't necessarily look good or work good. That's though those are my feelings on it. I would even I would even go before that and say G4, like the actual curve itself. The G4 was mm -hmm. a great phone. But then yeah. yeah, going back to going back to the case of uh of uh red. Of red. I, I feel so bad, you know. Michael Fisher showed it to me and I'm like, "Oh my god." Because I was the moment that I saw that he had it, I'm like, "Wait a second. These guys didn't re didn't send us a unit? Like what the?" And then he gives it to me. And then I start playing with it, and I'm like, oh, and so there's actually a photo of me doing that uh, that Brandon took at the OnePlus event for the OnePlus 6T, and you could just see my expression there where I'm like, what? Uh, oh, I'm like I'm <laughs> I'm not it, it, and and so and so Michael's like you want me to reach out to them I'm like no no just leave it like that I, <laughs> I just I don't have the time I am we have so many units to review right now and you know what I'm I wouldn't use this thing I just I would not that thing literally felt like a brick with a screen mm. and I think I think this is the um this this might be the most high well not the most high profile but this is the one that I. It actually makes me feel a certain way because I, we, I think we've all been there. Brandon, have you ever been in a situation where someone kind of promises you something? And then like, like Jaime said, we're, we're making you this car. The wheels don't work. <laughs> but then before we even give you the wheels, we're going to make an entirely new car. That even like, like, that's exactly what they're saying here is that once they transition to a whole new system, all the people who bought the original red hydrogen one are going to be quote unquote taken care of. And I'm just like, that just doesn't like, why, why would you put your faith in that kind of nebulous statement? <laughs> that never works. That never works. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Good, Brandon, so thoughts, long, thoughts on that? Thoughts on that last one? Uh, these, uh, it's a lot. It really comes down to expectation. I think like red is such a good company that people thought, well, you know, they make the, you know, world-class camera equipment and then they, they make their phone launch so dramatic and people's expectations are like, this is the company that should be, should, should have been making a phone. They know imaging. This is going to be the ultimate. And we get a phone that has a, has is gimmicky, lacks the fundamentals and doesn't deliver on its core promise. And, you know, here are the expectations and here's what they actually delivered. And 
it's just so disappointing. Yeah. You know what's the most disappointing for me as a communications student is the fact that there's just been poor messaging all the way through. Like it, it, we're in uh, Lane's review, we saw that there was a communication from the team, but through this weird French uh, email that may have had something to do with the company, but it was like all fractured up in like info dash dot, whatever the heck, like a whole bunch of symbols. And Adam had to ask, wait, are you serious? And then, yeah, put, put your info down on this Google form and we'll get <laughs> back to you. So, and like, I'm looking at the updates that Jim Gennard, the founder of uh, Red here, has posted since uh, his original announcement. You know, he admits that from the outset that, well, I understand that my original post was a bit cryptic mm. and, and then talks about in the absence of clear messaging, the crowd goes crazy trying to fill in the blanks. Well, mm. one solution to that. Not the crowd's just- fault. Just freaking give us a clear message. It's not the crowd's fault. No, it's Period. not. And, and you, when you use marketing terms like obsolescence obsolete, like, what does that really mean? Yeah, exactly. Make... I was just looking what? at that phrase. And right above it like, is the whole idea that he said, as I have said before, everything can and will change. I'm like, what do you, does that mean? What does that even mean? This is fire Festival language. Like, <laughs> They just hired their first actual PR firm. Yeah, mm. you know, and they, you know, they emailed out. It was like saying, "Hey, we're taking over now." As the, I, I think they've said the first uh, actual PR outside <laughs> so, PR. So much passion from Jules that he froze. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, his microphone oh, is gee. already freezing. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah, he did. He broke the internet. But I'm that's sorry. Right. Like, so we started off with Red, um, and that and that one is an example of, and it's hard to talk about Red in that way because I mean, obviously, there are so many people who love a lot of their products. I mean, obviously, they make great cameras. People, oh, there, Jules is back. Hi. <laughs> Um, but I think what we can do then is like shift from this like weird messaging from red to a little bit more of an official type of, uh, of, of, uh, of, of shift. And that would be over to razor. I don't know. God, actually, you know what? I was in such a hurry to get to uh, my office so that we could do the cast. I forgot to bring my razor phone too. Um, I wanted to pour some out for it. Like, does anybody else feel as sad as I do that the Razer phone, which basically started the gaming phone category, is now potentially going to be no more? Uh, according to the story, which, uh, again, this is not from this past week, but this is an example of the last couple of weeks, last few weeks. I may you broke the story on the daily, um, that essentially um, the Singapore-based firm um, has laid off most of its phone division and canceled the third edition of the Razer phone series. I was sad when I heard that on the daily, and I'm still sad about it now. Like, I actually had a lot of high hopes for the Razer phone itself. Um, how, how does everybody else feel? I, uh, I'm not surprised at this at all, because you take a phone that doesn't have a huge marketing spend, and it's, it's DOA. You take a phone with a different design um, that isn't sexy or dramatic that people can lust over, and it's DOA. You make a phone that's low volume. It's very niche for targeted at gamers or vloggers or small phone enthusiasts, and it's DOA. Um, it's just it's just not – I mean, it's not surprising that these very niche phones are just not going to work, which is why like Samsung phones that present beautifully in the store – that have that are on trend, big screens, color options, um, so many cameras you can't even count them anymore. Those are the phones that sell millions and create tremendous profits for these sustainable companies. But these small players, 
such as Red and such as um, Razer making these niche devices. They don't stand a chance. And it's, it's unfortunate because we like to see differentiation in our industry. And it gets exciting when we see something finally different, pop-up cameras, all kinds of different display technologies and functionality. But these products aren't going to go on to sell enough units to become viable and sustainable. I'm going to disagree I, I, I on feel... that. Go for it, Jules. So um, when uh, Razer announced uh, their first uh, like earnings report after the well, they went public like a year ago or something like that. Uh, but you have to keep in mind that these are diversified companies that are just dabbling into the smartphone field. Uh, Razer doesn't make its money off of phones; it makes its money off of mouses, uh, excuse me, mice, uh, keyboards, and uh, chairs, and all those other peripherals that gamers want. And I think phones were just a natural extension of that. Uh, and when they kind of uh, dipped into it, they had a certain budget that ha- they had to spend for research, development, manufacturing. I think uh, ma- manufacturing partnerships were already formed with their other um, businesses going on. So that saved them some money. But, um, you know, they said 18,000 units or, well, I did. That was derived from. Uh, the actual figure, uh, the money figure that they reported, and I think it was something like 18,000 units, which is, I mean, for a company first time serving a small niche, I don't think that's necessarily bad. I think, and they said, you know, they were showing promising signs of growth. But, you know, and we, but since then we haven't had word, which is probably a bad sign, of any performance uh, metrics for the Razer phones too. But even then, you know, I think this has more to do with Razer as a company, Razer as, you know, trying to get a profit track going here. Again, they went public last year. Uh, They had an IPO. They now have shareholders. So this is, um, it's a little sad to see something like this go by the wayside when this is a company that could afford to continue the project, I feel. Mm. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this much. For me, in the case of the Razer phone, it's, um. Uh, I had a really well. I have a really good relationship with the well, you know one of the founders and CEO and, and who was the CEO of Nextbit, who was absorbed by Razor uh, for this project. Um, um, and you know we we had a lot we had lots of conversations, but in one of them, it's like like I I did believe in the Nextbit project. Let's do a phone that's more cloud centric. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I feel that the phone missed a few things, but the whole concept was a good idea. Um, the problem is when you don't nur- when you don't have enough budget to nurture the project enough. I'll give you an example: OnePlus. Their OnePlus One, Two, Three—they were meh. It wasn't until the OnePlus Five that things were like, okay, this is now a phone that I'm willing to recommend. And if companies are not willing, the problem when you have a a, a market like the smartphone market is it's very cutthroat. Profits are very low. It's like if you asked me if, if, if you had $10 million, would you build an airline? I'd be like, no, that's the stupidest thing because your operating ratio is too high. And so it's the same with smartphones. If you don't do a Xiaomi where you own the store or if you don't have more assets than just the hardware, it's very difficult for you to win unless you're willing to throw money at it. And so here you have a product that uh, I think it's a good idea having a gaming phone. But like I said in my review, the problem is not the idea. It's the games. You know, smartphone games aren't really great. And then <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, shoot. I remember, when, you know, we, we were in L.A. We're at the event. 
and they're like, we've got a controller. And I'm like, yes, okay, fine. This is what I needed to become a mobile gamer. I needed a controller. And then I get the controller and I connect it and it works like trash with my phone. And so it's like, wait a second. I mean, you're the guys that get the mice right and the chairs right and the keyboards right. But you're, you know what? You're being held by a problem. And the problem is not Razer. The problem is called Android. The problem is Android gaming. It doesn't matter if you have a OnePlus 6T or a Razer Phone 2. The gaming experience is the same. And it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. It should not be that way. There should be games that cater better to the concept of having a more powerful phone or a phone that's better designed for something or the peripherals that'll bring the experience to the next level. The problem is when you have companies like Nintendo cave in and give you a Super Mario run because they realize that if they give you the same experience as if you were gaming in a console, the game wouldn't play well. You just People just wouldn't enjoy the process because you're using a screen and not buttons. And so I, I was really hoping that Razer and Asus would force Google, you know, be like, okay, you know what? We need better games. We need, you know, we need for the developer community to have better tools. And we've seen it with, you know, in the case of Apple with Metal and with everything. But the problem is, again, it's the form factor. Why is this, why is the Nintendo Switch such a hit? It's not just the indie games, but it's the overall experience of using the Switch. And it's what I asked. Who did I ask this to, by the way, Josh? I don't remember, but I'm like, what is the difference between a Switch hardware-wise and, and an Android phone? Nothing. Nothing. From a, from a power standpoint, they're literally almost the same thing. The problem is the operating systems. And it's a platform issue, too. Uh, it's a platform I'm, issue. It is, I, I, it is totally a platform issue. I'm testing Android Q out right now, and uh, but the trend is like uh, with Google is has been that they've been locking down more APIs. They've been putting more of them onto a blacklist, so that if you're targeting a certain level of uh, Android, ver- you know, certain Android version, you can't use these APIs anymore. You have to use these APIs, and I feel like there's going to be not there's not enough innovation in terms of what they can do. These gaming uh, publishers that you know can they do this and that and not intrude upon background process um, limits that they have to conform to. It, it's a lot of, um, I think, unseen debate that we have to like consider when it comes to these sorts of things because Google has been cracking down uh, for the sake of privacy, for the sake of power savings, and that does not cut with the jib of these uh, you know more advanced gaming features. So... Well, I think I, I, I probably, and you mentioned Nextbit earlier. Uh, we actually had a comment. Let me pull it up real quick. I think it was uh, one of our one of our uh, regulars in the uh, chat. Where is it? Steve DeRoche. It's the official death of Nextbit. Sad. Yeah, that is sad. Because <laughs> I remember just how cool Nextbit, just as, just in terms of a device, was 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 cool. And then Razer found a way to sort of elongate that that life cycle. Um, I personally think, like, to go back to your whole idea, uh, Brandon, about the phone being DOA. I don't think it was DOA. I think it was ahead of its time, to be honest. Like, the Razer phone was basically... Yeah, I think the Razer phone basically introduced all of these other companies or maybe put them on notice that gaming was going to be the next big frontier. Um, All of the enhancements in phones like this Galaxy S10 Plus, which, by the way, is the only one of the three uh, that has vapor cooling... um, those enhancements, those advancements, I should say, are due in part to Razer making it clear gaming is a thing on a phone. 
And you're right, Jaime, that um, like I was saying earlier about foldables, the software has to match the hardware. And right now the software is Android, so it's not the best thing. But there are, go but one thing I would love Razer to do is to go by way of Sega, where they don't actually create the apparatus by which uh, everyone does gaming on Android. Maybe they create all of the support products. They actually put in a lot of their R&D into making the best controller. They make the best peripherals. They make the best accessories to make Android gaming that much better. For example, let's say let, let's say this. Um, what was the name of that one uh, product that was supposed to be like an Android gaming console? Um, oh, the Shield Nvidia. Well, no Shield, but there was another one. There was like the Crowdsource Ooh, yeah. one that everyone hated. <laughs> yeah, that one. There you go. The Ouya. The the Ouya. Ouya. That oh, actually, yeah. you know how much, you know how great Razer could be at creating their own Ouya, where this particular little console-like device, a lot like the Shield, but the problem with the Shield was that they still focused on having other Android features. Put it all the way. Like, take away all of the strip Android to its base level so that it is only a gaming console. And then you put in the work to actually make those experiences work for your peripherals, for your controllers, and for your accessories. But That's we, what I think. Razer could totally do that. We've seen it, but the problem is we've seen it, dude. Like, we've seen it with, um, shoot, the SP, uh, the ZT, the S-Pro2. We've seen it in projectors. Uh, we saw experimentation with televisions. We've seen people trying to use it in smartwatches. Heck, we even saw Vinci trying to use Android in a pair of headphones. The problem is, you know, and and Brandon, I, you you're you're probably the most qualified person to confirm this. But if I if I if I understand correctly, apps and games on Android are still are still emulated. Correct. So, to my understanding, anything that runs on Android is not really native; it's all emulated. Oh, I see. Um, I don't know if that's the case anymore. It might have been the case in earlier versions of Android, but I don't think that's true anymore. I think a lot of them are, are, are on uh, Android runtime. I whatever the well, but that's the thing. It's like I I do understand now why Google is trying to come up with Fusion, which is actually another conversation. Uh, but why we're looking <laughs> for alternatives for Android because there are a lot of limitations. Um, and I feel that Android is the best platform, and I feel that it's the best ecosystem to get something like this done. Mm -hmm. It's just where, how do we make the jump towards it? Um, we've seen companies use Android, completely fork it, and come up with some really cool things. We've seen it from Amazon. Um, I, but yeah, I feel, I feel that you're right, Josh. It's just the question is, who is willing to invest more than two generations of a product and giving it a try. Because exactly. there, there, is no, there is no case, I don't think there has been a case of a company that's launched a product and has succeeded in generation two. I don't think there has been. What operating system does the Nintendo Switch run on? It's, it's, well, it's, it's, it's their own, it's proprietary. Yeah. It's, Switch OS, it's whatever you fully want. proprietary, fully yeah. proprietary. There's a product that was built from the ground up with every piece of software, every piece of hardware conceived for one purpose, from the very bottom to the yeah. very top. It's been very successful because of that. End exactly. to end, it's just gaming. Exactly, exactly. Whereas, whereas when you try to convert a phone into a gaming product... It's still an Android phone that can play games with some fancy tricks. Exactly, but then, you know, if I tell my son to try to play Fortnite on his Galaxy S whatever, he's going to be like, no. 
I need yeah. a controller. I need a mouse. I need a keyboard. I need a screen. It, it's different. If, if you want to be really good at these hardcore games, you need more peripherals than just a screen. It doesn't work that way. Well, yeah, well guys, I guys, to... I, I totally get the whole gaming on Android thing, but have you ever decided to put Chrome OS on an Intel chipset that's very much powerful and more than what you would ever need? Oh, my God. You want to talk about the Pixel Slate? And, and <laughs> I, I could tell you more about that. Look at Jules coming uh, in with the segues. <laughs> I mean, we we are running into uh, our uh, back half hour here, so I'm just like... Okay, fair enough. Making sure. Um, all right, so... Oh, this is actually the wrong story that I have pulled up. Um, on, on the topic of gaming, just one last thing I wanted to put in. Like, I... I do think that there should be standardization of at least certain layers of the gaming uh, of the gaming experience on Android, and at the very least, that should be input and controllers. So, like, if there could be a standardization, then Razer could go by way of Sega and actually create the products that support the gaming experience. So, but then again, again, the software has to catch up with the hardware, and that's exactly why the Razer phone. Eh, I, th- I think Razer. I, I will say this: I think Razer is pulling out of the game too quickly. I feel that there is a future. I feel that they should have just pursued it harder and that they shouldn't have uh, assumed... they have the money. They have the money to invest exactly. into it. That's the thing. Exactly. They shouldn't have just assumed that, oh, because we're not having the same success. And that's the problem when you have public companies. You know, the, you know, the problem with public companies is they have to look good in front of investors. And so, you know, sometimes they have to make decisions like these just to continue looking good in front of investors. So what you're uh, saying is capitalism sucks. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't hear that, James. So what you're saying? I'll, I'll give I'll give you an example of the complete opposite. Huawei. Huawei is a private company. They don't have to look good in front of anybody, and so they are willing to nurture ideas for the long term. And oh, that the- depends on. Oh, you know what? Actually, that was the topic that that Enabong and I were talking about last week. Was Huawei? Um, anyway, mm-hmm. sorry. <laughs> they do have to look good. They do have to look good in front of the Chinese government, though. So. Um... Just, you but that's another you topic. You can't verify or confirm that, Jules. But you, <laughs> they have laws. They have you, laws. You can't verify or confirm that, Jules. They have laws. It's on the books. It's on the books. Dude, doesn't matter if, if what Jules, you think. Jules, if you disappear in the next 10 minutes, we know why. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, if that's true, you're using a MateBook 14. Exactly. <laughs> but the, the point being is that's that's the advantage when you have private companies. Like, that's how GoPro got started. That's how many... So long, once you involve the stock market, your time to nurture products is gone. You have to always look good, and, and that's it. And that's a problem. Yeah, that, yeah I, I can see that happening. All right, so uh, before we get too far into that, um, our next one has to do with products. Not necessarily one. Okay, we are talking about products, but um, in terms of Google, speaking of a company that has Is so much money to invest. No, it's not the end of Google. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> um, the uh, Speaking of a company that has so much money to be able to invest into like certain core markets, uh, tablets, and in this case, the Pixel Slate. Um, I actually never got to review one. Um, I, I heard mixed feelings Lucky about you. it. Okay, see, there you go. I heard very mixed Lucky feelings you. about it. So what Lucky was the you. biggest problem with this thing? Um, okay. So the okay, so in the case of the iPad Pro when it launched, the 12.9 inch, the biggest question that everybody asked is why? Like, why is this product so big? Mm-hmm. And it, it and it's not until I met a cartoon artist that I realized that he he loves his iPad Pro 12.9 mainly because of the size of the canvas and because that Apple Pencil is such a great tool for you to draw. And so he loves it. According to him, that's the reason why you need a large canvas 
And so there's a there's a niche for that product to exist. The Pixel Slate, you know, dude, this is a very expensive Chromebook. Uh, like every Pixel product. And so it's it's like when Google, when Google launched the Chromebook Pixel and priced it at a thousand dollars. Uh and 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 they just continued that trend. And it wasn't until they launched the Pixel Book that it was like, oh my god, this thing is expensive, but it's so light, it's so good, it's so well done, and it plays so well. Shoot. It's actually a really good computer. The only problem is it's a Chromebook. But then they come up with the Pixel Slate. And it was a very bad tablet and a very bad laptop. And then once oh, you man. added the price of the keyboard, plus the, the, the pen, plus the fact that they launched this version that was $600 with an Intel Celeron. And I love, so I love that Marquez didn't get a unit. He, well, I don't know if he got a unit, but he actually bought the entry-level Celeron version. And his review is like, you don't use the. It's not usable. Like you can't run anything on it. It it's literally janky and just about everything. And so think about it: six hundred dollars for an unusable tablet on one end, or seven fifty for an iPad Pro. What are you gonna pay for? Yeah, and and it's way more fleshed out the iPad. So it's it's just a more mature product. And so yeah. I think that Google reached the great point with the Pixel Book. I was really looking forward to a Pixel Book 2, and then they launched the Slate, and I'm like, okay, fine. If it's got the quality of the Pixel Book, but it's a tablet, sure. But then it was too large, and the experience was just too cumbersome. Like, dude, from the design of it, a lot of things were wrong. It just, it just didn't make sense. The product just did not make sense. You couldn't attach the pen anywhere. Uh, the keyboard case, the $200 keyboard case is probably, like, I have never... In my history of reviewing products, I have never in front of the camera said, don't buy this. <laughs> it was the first time that I'm like, do not, do not buy this. It's I've never seen you so passionately dislike a product. <laughs> I, it's just the, the problem is, the problem is when you're This is like even more than the red. This is even more than the red. Dude, like, this so is more passion. Lo, listen, and I feel so <laughs> bad because I, because when I saw the product at the event, I liked it. When I received it, it's like, because I received the higher tier Core i5, my product is not really that bad. It's just the moment that I reach, that I reach uh, Hawaii and I'm like, okay, this is when I'm going to start using this product. And so I go to the event, I snap on the keyboard and I place it on my lap and Michael Fisher's sitting beside me. And the thing just kept falling off because of the design of the keyboard. And Michael and Michael is looking at me, looking at me, and he's like, "Yeah, dude, that's the problem of us short people." <laughs> it's hilarious that he actually included that in his review. But it's just, it's regardless. I mean, it's such a it's such a good idea, very badly implemented. So okay, in the dichotomy between uh, tablets and laptops, clearly tablets are the big culprit here, right? Because like Chromebooks actually sell pretty well, though. Like when you look they at do. just Chromebooks, they actually the sell cheap well. ones, sure. Yeah, yeah, because they are fit for their design. They are priced well. They just get you by and uh, like that. Yeah. And you can easily distribute them throughout schools. This like, is that's... literally like a Chromebook is like buying a power drill. It'll it'll always help you. It's a tool. It's pretty much a tool. Uh, it, and it's priced as a tool. It's not priced aggressively or anything. It's $200, $300. I don't mind buying that for my kids. I'm fine with that. It's just, and, and so here's the problem. And this is the reason why my review is just, I'm like, I really want to love this product because I feel that this is the future of tablets. What is my biggest complaint with iPads? It's the lack of a good browser. 
It's the fact that for absolutely every hardcore thing that I want to do, I need to launch an app. And apps are not necessarily the best experiences in certain cases. Sometimes I just want a good web browser to connect to my bank, and I can't. And so if I'm using an iPad, I can't connect to my bank for a lot of things, even if there's an app. And oh. so, wow, I'm like, this is a great idea. A tablet with a full Chrome browser. I'm done. I want this. And then I use it, and I'm like, oh, God, no. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of um, misfitting going around in Google because I so, think risk, harder, their hardware VP, uh, Rick Ostelow, coming from uh, Motorola and has been there for the past three years, done great things in terms of making up uh, the Pixel team in terms of building everything up uh, for mm -hmm. them. And I feel like the tablet and uh, the laptop division uh, has really been just sandboxing. They've been making castles, and, but they don't really have much else purpose for them other than for like a bully to stomp on them and then yeah, that's a, they have that's to start a, over again that's a good way to put it jules definitely because these products don't get me wrong the pixel like if you ask me if anybody wants to buy a high-end chromebook i'd be like the pixel book man it's a great product it's hilarious how much better the pixel book performs than the pixel slate i just i don't get it yeah well, it's those very teams. Um, the employees responsible for R&D and manufacturing of those products has been cut by dozens over the last couple of weeks. Um, they they so haven't been cut. They've just been asked to move to a separate department. They go somewhere else. While, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, they, but cut, that also means that the, the portfolio is going to be yeah. pared down. That's the thing, though. Like, like future products are going to be affected by this. So it's the fact that this whole team... So we don't know if we're going to see, like, Pixelbook 2 or Pixel Slate 2, which, you know, it's it's it's... It's another one of those things where, like you were saying with Razer, Jaime, like you have to actually invest in these kinds of things, you know. And Fuchsia OS, you, you did mention for a second, Fuchsia OS was supposed to be potentially the next step in that, and actually creating an operating system that actually, um, that actually adhe that not adheres, that actually matches the hardware, <laughs> which yeah, is which again cohesive. is a team. Yeah, exactly. Not, not adhesive, cohesive, and I feel <laughs> like. Um, they've been doing uh, many tests on many different sorts of uh, hardware, not even from their own uh, tablets and whatnot. They've been uh, loading Fuchsia OS to other BIOSes in other devices. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see we truly what eventually need, comes out. We truly need, like, I, all, all credit goes to, like, Chrome OS and all that for performing the way that it has. I mean, like we said, Chromebooks do tend to sell pretty well, especially when they're cheap enough. But, like, we definitely need an experience now where it's, like, a laptop or a tablet that converts into a laptop that basically has the same level of functionality that Android has that we enjoy in our phones, but it's just blown up to a desktop experience. Like, I, I, I remember Remix OS. I remember there was supposed to be, like, even um, uh, Android apps are supposed to work in Chrome OS. Um, I, I don't know if all of them are supposed to at this point, but, I mean, I, I know that they were moving in that direction. That has to be a thing now. Like, honestly, if these tablets and... And laptops are going to be successful. I think that just has to be the next step, personally. I don't know, Brandon. You've been quiet. You don't. You didn't like it either. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm. I'm just listening. The um. There's definitely some future whereby there's a, there's a convergence between a desktop like Chrome OS environment with Android apps alongside of it. And I think you know the Android Q developer previews out, and Jules, you're using it. I don't know if you had a chance to mess around with the desktop mode built into Android. Not, unfortunately not, but it, yeah, I know it's, it's there. It's super interesting to see Samsung go hard into this desktop mode thing with Dex and uh, Huawei go super hardcore into this desktop mode with whatever what their thing is called, like uh, Huawei Home. Dex backwards. Yeah. <laughs> Zed. 
And then, and then Google's baking it directly into the operating system where clearly a lot of these really big companies see a future whereby the phone can create a desktop-like environment while also having the phone experience alongside it. So I think it's, it's you know, we haven't really figured it out yet, but the pieces are there where you have like a taskbar along the bottom and potentially a full desktop uh, browser, which for most people is really all you need to get the work done that you need. Yeah, my feeling... Sorry, sorry. My feeling is exactly that. It's good enough and light enough so that you can bake it into the operating system, but you, it only does it only goes so far. So yeah, yeah, and 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 like it defaults back to a phone first form factor. But if you if you're in the hotel room or if you have a mouse and keyboard, but you forgot your laptop at the office or whatever, you you dock it or you plug it in or you you do wireless broadcasting to your display and you get a pseudo desktop like experience running all from your phone. And we've been talking about this for a very long time with continuum and so many other concepts. Oh, yeah. Dude, but yeah, the, the, fun, the funny part is my tell my TV and my monitor have had an HDMI to USB C cable connected to them since the Huawei May May 20 pro came out, which was like uh now you can do it wirelessly, but ever since the Mate 10 Pro, actually, I've had those cables connected. Ask me how many times I've used them. Just once to try it out, and then you're like, what the heck is I, I don't think I even tried it out, man. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, um, the problem is, so I really like that Project Linda from Razer where you attach the the phone into the, the laptop and it, and it, and it, oh, and it becomes the trackpad. I think that, that, that was like, but, but how are they going to make that without the Razer phone? Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and so we we go back to the concept of the, of the Asus Pad phone. I we we love that concept and we praised it for so long, and these projects died. Mm. These projects just died because they. Re, it's like listen. It's like my perspective on VR. I love what it can do. I just hate the process to get it done. I hate the setup process. And I, th- I think that the most consumers feel the same way. If it's not something that you can do quickly, immediately, it, no, most people are going to try it out initially and then they're not going to care. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to be like, okay, I need my specific USB-C to HDMI output adapter and then I need to find my dongle for my Bluetooth <laughs> keyboard and I need the mouse thing too. So you have like, you just spent 15, 20 minutes setting up this environment when your laptop is like right there on the table and you could just open your laptop and you know there which you is are. exactly which is exactly my point all of these all of these ways of connecting a phone to like yeah that's exactly right like okay dex is a thing i need a monitor uh, where, <laughs> like i need a monitor for it like so that's what i'm saying is like stop trying to make this the 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 the, the centerpiece of the entire experience and just create an operating system that actually works on a tablet works on a laptop that actually has like we say continuum like that's that's that that should be the goal here, but again, it's the lack of investment in the actual fundamentals of it. Uh, and, keep... and then, and then there's the problem with the implementation of apps. It's like, for example, OneNote on like I tried with the with the Samsung Galaxy Tab S4. I tried with the Pixel Book with the Pixel Slate. You know, you the use of Android apps on Chromebooks. A lot of these Android apps are like hit or miss, dude. Like, for example, you can't select text correctly on OneNote. Uh, you can't do certain things, and it's like, like that's the problem. It's just Google controls so little of the process 
that it, it just becomes up for grabs and just so much opportunity for failure. If there are too many hands involved in a process, it's going to collapse. Well, here's... That's... Here's, here comes the segue. Um, Google had It's not about all... Mia Khalifa, right? No. No, <laughs> why? Hit or miss. <laughs> Hit or miss. Um, Google had all of the control in the world on Allo. What happened there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't think we're going to allow Allo that. God dang it. Joke. Moving on. <laughs> Did any of you use Google Allo? I mean, we I, have I, a... I used it once because Adam Dowd forced me to try it out. Um, I did the hands-on video. It was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I gotta say, again, something that was ahead of its time. I have to say, I'm sorry. Allo? But like, what, was, what was ahead of Allo? Okay, so Allo... Hangouts. Allo. I know, exactly. Um, Allo, this is another one of those things where, like, there's there's that... Dis- there's that fragment is a fragmentation that's the term right um there's like there's their their ecosystem is so fragmented you have hangouts you have allo and now there's is there like hangouts meet hangouts work like there's so many different versions of the same like function and hangouts date hangouts uh toothpaste (laughs) hangouts swipe right um so like I had a couple of conversations on Twitter the other day after I said like, oh, now Allo doesn't work. And I felt I actually felt kind of sad about it, too, because I did use Allo for quite a while. It was a way that I actually communicated with a lot of my coworkers back in the day. But the, um, the, the thing is that Allo actually had a lot of the features that we wish more messaging services had, like the voice messaging that now even Brandon, you and I use it now on Messenger. <laughs> <laughs> because Jaime got all of us addicted to using it on WhatsApp. <laughs> oh, it's so cool to press that microphone and record your voice like a walkie-talkie. That is cool. Yeah, that exactly. is cool. Jaime, like, yeah, he introduced me to that. When he came to visit, he was communicating with Diego, and he speaks, you know, as fast as I can't understand in Spanish, and he's just like boom, 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 back and forth. And I'm like, wow, that's brilliant. And then Josh started doing that with me. It's just, it's brilliant. Like, if you're in New York and you're carrying a lot of gear in one hand, you can't be walking down the street typing, dude. It's mm-hmm. just, it doesn't, it's it's the worst. And so I love voice messaging. Like in Latin America, that's the thing. And I, why, it's like, it's funny whenever Jules tries to talk to me on Hangouts or whenever people try to talk to me on Hangouts, I'm like, if it doesn't have voice, I'm not using it because I don't have time. I just, I don't have time to stop, put my freaking backpack down and respond to your damn message. I just, I don't. <laughs> you know, if, so, if, you're in a, if you're in a trade show, I don't oh that's true so that's the thing that was that was like that was the use case scenario that made it very clear to me this is a useful feature and my point here is that when allo came out it was one of the few that had voice messaging like voice messaging was a whatsapp thing yeah it was a whatsapp thing it was a wechat thing yeah and then messenger finally put it in not too long after and we started to see it in more places instagram has it now you can even use it in Instagram DMs. Like yeah. that's that's how much it's become a feature. And then there's another feature in Allo that I thought was really funny. Um, first of all, being able to talk to Google Assistant. I mean, that was one thing that was kind of funny. But my favorite one that I think maybe one day we'll see it in WhatsApp and I would love for this to happen, but it's a little bit silly, but that's the reason why I loved it. When you type something and then you press and hold on the send button and drag up and down to make it bigger or smaller, that made for hilarious conversations. Like, <laughs> like when I would talk to, let's say, David Amell, because he and I, he and, he and I talk all the time on uh, on Messenger, but on Allo, when David, when I would say something like, when we were at CES one time together, I was like, hey, um, I think I'm actually going to drink tonight, 
it would be small text of Josh, please no. <laughs> and it makes perfect sense, right? Like that kind of stuff is fun and it's funny and it and it and it adds to the conversation, which is why honestly I'm a little I'm a little sad that Aloe kind of went away. Oh, oh, oh my god, I'm not. Let it go. Listen, can I just say something about can I just say something about the reason why products die? Okay, go ahead. Okay. When you have established players, and this has is completely irrelevant, but it's just this. Like, I have been used to... So, by the way, my eGPU is about to arrive. It's eight stops away. Hmm. So, so it's still three I hours know? away. Okay, so <laughs> no. So how do I know this? I can actually see where my package is on the map because lately Amazon is not using... They're not using uh, UPS... Uh, they're not using UPS, USPS... Or FedEx. Now they're using their own delivery service. And so what was my biggest problem? I never know when FedEx is going to stop by. I know UPS is here at 10 a.m. sharp, but USPS and FedEx know. But now with their, with, with, by them using their own delivery service, I know exactly where the product is on a map. How cool is this? And then they take a, they take a picture of the product and show you where they placed it. If they actually deliver it to the right address, which usually they don't, but when they do deliver <laughs> it to the right address, you can be like, "Oh, they put it at the front door. Oh, they put it at the garage." Because you, you get a notification that says, "Here's what it looks like." So it's so. Let me ask you this: How much? I used to work in UPS. How much business are they losing right now? How much? Think about it. How much is it for Amazon to launch their own airline, their own delivery service, and to deliver in a place as complex as New York, and to give me a far better service than every other of the carriers where that's their business. That's what they're good at. They're good at these information things. It's not Amazon's business to show me where my package is, and yet they do it better than the companies that are dedicated to doing it. And you walk into Whole Foods and it's got all this practicality because you're a prime customer. See this. This is the reason why other companies die. Because they launch something good and they're not willing to invest more in R&D or they're not willing to nurture their product and think of more cool things. Whereas you have a company as Amazon that's as aggressive as I want it to be. Like, my, I'm not going to lie. I used to, like, you You remember in Vegas. I was like, yeah, let's, lose, let's use an Amazon locker because I don't a know locker, when, yeah. they're gonna, when they're going to drop the product. But who, whose idea was it? Amazon. And now with this... Have you read the book, The Innovator's Dilemma? I recommended you to buy the book. Well, yeah, it's a, you're, you're describing the innovator's dilemma exactly. They do something awesome in the beginning, and they stop like innovating. And then other companies come in, build something from the ground up that's so much better, and just eat their lunch. I, yeah. I want I want to hear from the quote unquote innovators of Allo from the beginning when because I remember that Google I/O when this was announced and everyone was like Allo and Duo interesting like you know cool like we're gonna have a unified messaging service and then they doubled down on Hangouts I'm like what are you doing oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I want to hear messages that. Google Hangouts uh, freaking what uh, Google Voice that that integration I like I mean yeah. Google, just things. The, you know the problem with Google is Google itself. They have, it's like Project Fi and all these things. A lot of things in Google start as projects. They're allowed a certain amount of time for these projects to develop. The 20% projects, yep. And and then once the project is successful, they'll continue with it. If not, then they'll kill it. The problem is when you have four messaging platforms that confuse users. Mm. Yeah, indeed. And I think I think in the beginning it was, and I see what Google needs to stop doing when it comes to why am I holding, why am I uh, waving <laughs> around the Samsung? What uh, what Google needs to stop doing is proving concepts. After they Agreed. prove the concept, 
they have to continue the concept. Like that's what they got to do. Because that was what, that's what Allo was in the beginning. One of our commenters just said, "I used Allo when it was the only place that Assistant lived on." That's exactly what it was. It was a way of proving that Google Assistant was a thing, that it was going to be successful. Now Google Assistant is great. Allo though, left by the wayside. Like it's 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 really a it's really a sad thing. And I think <laughs> it's kind of a weird way. For us to have like this entire show where we're talking about what I called the ultimate demise, but even then, we know why. It's because of lack of investment. So that's really what it is. So on that oddly somber note, um, we're going to go ahead and call it on this one. Thank you so much for listening to The Weekly. We certainly wouldn't be making this show if it weren't for you, and we would certainly appreciate knowing a little more about you so that we can mat... Whoa, what's going on here? This is this is a different read. I'm sorry. And on that note, that weird read I just did, <laughs> that is it for The Weekly. Our theme music is Bloom by Minerva, courtesy of a royalty-free license with Argo Fox. You can learn more in the episode's description. Our crew is on Twitter. Brandon is found at Brandon Mini Man. Jaime is, of course, Jaime underscore Devetta, and I am JV Tech T. You know me. I'm JV. I love me some tech, and I love to drink tea. I left Jules at the end here because I actually want to give Jules the conch for a couple of minutes because he has an announcement to make to everybody. Yeah, so uh, as of March 20th, I will no longer be with Pocket now, so I would like to thank uh, you, uh, Josh, for uh, working with me with the podcast for past several weeks in terms of getting this show uh, up and tight as the ship uh, that would like to, like, I don't know, Jack Sparrow's ship is what I would like to call it, as I would say. The pocket now Black Pearl, as it were. As it were. (laughs) As it were. Jaime, your mentorship in terms of video has been very key in order for me to uh, uh, keep the videos coming when you needed them. Uh, So thank you to... uh, uh, for me, you know, having the opportunity to help out uh, with what you do. Thank you for that. Uh, Brandon, thank you uh, for keeping me on when you took over uh, Pocket Now again uh, just last summer. I really appreciate you uh, finding some value in me and just uh, allowing me to do my work and, you know, seeing some visions, putting some visions down uh, <laughs> to make the stuff happen. And to you, the listener, the viewer, uh, the reader, for all these years, five years of uh, great stuff happening uh, for me, kept me well fed, kept me well clothed, and um, you know, I had a lot of fun along the way. I hope you did with my writing as well. Uh, I do have a job lined up for me. You'll be hearing about that soon. But until then, uh, this podcast has been my baby. I've been on it for um, on the job for something like. 240 episodes which is longer than any host has been on it which feels kind of weird but you know i take pride in what i've been able to play around with in terms of getting guests in terms of uh tweaking the format here and there um and hopefully what i have been able to deliver to all of our listeners and viewers is something worthwhile to think about so well, you're That's getting a lot of you're getting a lot of great responses in the live chat right now. You will be missed, Jules. And um, yes, thank you so much. At Point for Jules your... on Twitter. At Point Jules. At Point Jules. Yeah, I was about to say uh, yeah. Jules won't be far. So for anybody in the chat right now uh, wondering where Jules is going to be, he won't be far. You'll be able to see him very soon. Um, but yeah, uh, as far as that is concerned, um, the podcast production is going to fall under. Uh, my wing at that point once Jules exits so he and I are actually going to talk a lot about uh, me taking the reins in that in that regard so hopefully I live up to the amount of work that you've done for over 240 episodes Jules so thank you for that um all right cool well I have faith in you 
Oh, thanks, Jules. <laughs> uh, and hopefully to all of you listeners, I hope I don't let you down in that regard. Uh, Pocket Now is at Pocket Now on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube in English and Espanol, where you can find more news on the Pocket Now Daily and Pocket Now Adario every weekday. Catch up on what the weekly's talking about at pocketnow.com slash podcasts. Also, make sure you make your voices heard by emailing us. That's podcast at pocketnow.com. We'd certainly appreciate your feedback through reviews and ratings on Google, Apple, Spotify, Overcast, or really wherever you happen to be streaming us, because without you, we wouldn't have been able to make the show for your eyes and ears for now seven years straight, many of which were under the tutelage of the good Jules Wong here. We'll see you for our next show. Thank you so much for watching and for listening, and we will see you next week. Music